Another day, another dollar here in post-pandemic America. I know it seems like the pandemic was going to last forever. And uh, for me, the weirdest moment was at a McDonald's one morning where they were out of like pretty much everything on the breakfast menu. And I was sitting in the drive-thru and I was thinking, this is it. Like the country's gone. Maybe the whole West is gone. If you can't serve my hash browns or my sausage and cheese biscuit, my sausage and cheese McMuffin, then what's the point? What are we doing? You know, what are we doing here in Sacred West? And uh, that was like in the middle of 2021. And at the same time, McDonald's and all these other fast food chains, they would have signs out front that would say, please use exact change if paying in cash because we're experiencing a U.S. coin shortage. And you're like, a U.S. coin shortage? Like, what sci-fi channel movie did we slip into? These fucking creeps in D.C. can't print more money and turn it into a coin for us, you know? It was weird. And yet somehow we all survived. If you're listening to this, you survived. And now there's a new world ahead. And we're dealing with a lot of mental illness because some people still haven't come out of that world of the pandemic. And they need to see, you know, COVID... COVID test results, and they need to be fully masked up and stuff to interact with the rest of us. And God bless their hearts, but it's over. You know, it's on to the new nightmare now. On to the new catastrophe. And from day one, Fulcrum has been here for it. From 2017 onward, as I was talking to my co-founder about, who happens to be here. Hello, Missy. Hi, so good to be here. I think our last podcast together was back in 2019. You were visiting me in D.C. Yep. If I remember correctly, we did it at the Watergate Hotel. That's exactly where we were, yep. Which <laughs> <laughs> has historic significance. So we were at the Watergate Hotel. We recorded this podcast in her hotel room. And we thought we were on top of the world. You know, a little bit of problems in terms of Google and YouTube censorship at the time. And some trolls and whatnot. But we thought we were on top of the world. And then I went to Europe. I went to Rome. And came back in uh, early fall 2019, came back in like September, had a month or so of normalcy back in D.C. And then the pandemic hit and it hit everybody so hard in such a weird way. And I feel like only now are we fully going back to the stuff we were working on before the pandemic, where we don't have to talk about, you know, vaccines or theories related to the vaccines or COVID spike proteins or whatever. It's just, it's over. And obviously there's going to be a lot of fallout over the years as there was after World War II, right? It left a whole generation with mental illness. And that's why when you watch like Mad Men, it's like, why did they drink so much in the 60s and, and the late 50s? Well, they were dealing with a tremendous amount of undiagnosed trauma from World War II. And even if you win a world war, you're still really fucked up. And here we like, quote unquote, survived the pandemic. But did we really? The country's now in way more debt than it was before. And the politics are way worse. And people are way more psycho when it comes to politics. I almost feel like I should be agnostic. I feel like I should really disavow both candidates, whoever they are. If it's somebody I really like, I should disavow everybody and say, we're just going to report the news. We're not going to support anybody just as a matter of principle. And I really mean that. I've never seen a more feral country. And how do we survive? I have no idea. But how do I survive? I think we don't pick sides. I really do. Like as the, one of the co-founders of this company, I think we do not pick sides in 2024. 
And if they want to present somebody who's great, okay, we'll report on their merits. And if they want to pick another goon who's just owned by the deep state or the central banks or you know, Coca-Cola or whatever the bad guy is of the moment, we're just going to report the facts there too. We're not going to go against them in some big campaign. It's just going to be like, hey, this seems really bad. What do you think about that? I agree. You agree? I agree. Simply put. Yeah, mm-hmm. so as a news company, we've actually watched as some of our better funded competitors, including Vice News and BuzzFeed, have declared bankruptcy and have gone under. And Vice at one point was worth more than a billion dollars with a B, had the backing of the Murdoch family and many other media you know, mogul types. And it fell from grace. And I, I've heard unofficially they misspent their money, which is the only thing that makes sense to me. Like, how do you burn through that much money just blogging and doing the fun but cheap videos, right? Mm-hmm. Someone mis- misspent there somewhere, is my guess. And again, these are just unofficial suggestions that were made to me in private, but that would be my estimate. And then BuzzFeed, the quality of the content is so low that I think once the ad market fell through the floor, I don't think most people know this on the internet, but something happened where you used to be able to make a lot of money from Google ads. And then one day they just rug pulled everybody. And now it's like $1.70 per thousand views, which is not a lot of money. It used to be, you know, for some publishers, $10 CPM. So they basically like wrecked a whole bunch of people who built their businesses on offering free content in exchange for eyeballs. Wrecked that viability. And I think BuzzFeed was a... Uh, uh, a victim of that, right? Because it was low quality content and they had good relationships getting their articles out. But once you're not making good money on people reading the articles, you are paying for people to show those articles and it doesn't work. And so they went belly up. And here we survive and we're literally in the fucking AI age where pretty soon all creative effort is going to be worthless because you won't be able to tell if it came from a real human or some AI just spinning up content for fun and profit. You know, and uh, I was telling Missy earlier today at lunch, in our business lunch, was telling her that uh, Adobe Photoshop was considered to be like on the way out because all these interesting image AI programs have come out. Mm -hmm. People are saying, where's Photoshop going to have a place in the future? And then Adobe Photoshop launches this update just days ago that blows everybody's mind because they've gone full AI and they do this thing called... uh, they do this generative AI thing where they can, they can estimate or guess the things around a picture that you upload. It's mind blowing. So if you give them a little fraction of a picture, it will, from its imagination, so to speak, create the rest of the picture to a scary degree of accuracy or potential accuracy. So it's basically doing art for the user is what it comes down to. And, uh, Weird times. And then you have, you know, I, I don't want to disclose this fully, but we've been rewriting some parts of our website, rewriting some of our, you know, news content. And we ask ChatGPT what we want, and it gives us a better premise for our articles that we would come out with ourselves. So it's not that it's writing the content for us yet, but it's creating better bullet points, better arguments to flesh out. And in some cases, whole ad copy where it just spits it out and basically says, let us know how it goes. And it begs the question, who is us? What are we dealing with that can write better articles than I've ever written in my life? 
and it comes out in about a second and then says, you know, let us know. You know, open AI is really bizarre. Um, but that stuff is here. It's the mid 2020s just about. We survived a pandemic. Now we got real AI or at least uh, in the field of text that can bullshit pretty well. You got something that can write at the level of a human. Maybe it's not AGI, which is the holy grail or artificial general intelligence where it just is smarter than anybody. Maybe it's not there, but it can definitely write well. So it's replacing jobs and it's putting writers out of business. And so that's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, right? And so that's where crypto comes in is in a world where creativity and uniqueness are worth nothing and where authenticity can be spun up by an AI in seconds. What is value? What is money in that weird age we find ourselves in? What is rarity? And this is where crypto like was the answer before we even realized there was a problem. It's mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing because you have this online rarity that anybody can double check and confirm. And uh, with Hong Kong, as of earlier today, reallowing crypto investment after a two year ban, anything is possible, you know, not financial advice, but we're kind of running out of these like groundswell transformative moments where everything changes. And here it came out that Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, he owns some Bitcoin and he considers it quote reasonable, whatever that means. And the, the price, you know, overall does nothing. And then it comes out that someone at, someone at Apple has been hiding the Bitcoin white paper on every install of OS 10 since like mid 2018 some act of, you know, vigilante Bitcoin activism and the price does nothing. And then it comes out that BlackRock is, is offering it to central banks and Fidelity has been mining it and storing it since at least 2014. And their macro director thinks the price of one Bitcoin could surpass $1 billion by 2038 based on his whatever math he's doing. 2038, 1 billion bucks of Bitcoin is what he says. And it's like, what is happening here? Like, I remember when China and Hong Kong first outlawed crypto use. And I thought this really hurts our argument. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because I still believe in crypto and what it can do for us locally. But it's like, how is this the answer to the world's problems if half the world has just fucking outlawed it? And these weirdos are like, oh, it doesn't matter if it's illegal. People will still use it. No, they won't. The reason why people smoke weed in my state is that there are dispensaries everywhere. And if it was still strictly illegal, many of these housewives and stuff, not to be like, you know, a promoter of stereotypes, but many of these squares would not be smoking weed. And instead they are because there's no legal downside and you can pay for it with a credit card. And much the same with crypto. Where China was at was a dark place. Some of their entrepreneurs were like black, ba black bagged by the government there, fucking black bagged and sent to wherever to be interrogated. And that chills the environment. Your average Chinese person does not want to invest in such an industry. And now it's legal again as of this morning, at least in Hong Kong, which is like the Wall Street of China. And it changes the whole argument. Because again, I felt weird saying this is the future when suddenly half the world had turned it off. I think you need the whole world to use crypto at some point. Not every country, not every square mile has to be crypto. But the major powers have to allow their people to use it or else it's not going to reach its full uh, potential.
Do you still believe in crypto? Oh my God, yes. You do? Since day one. <laughs> since day one. I mean, that's been a part of Fulcrum since day one. Is mm -hmm. We know there are some problems in the world, and hopefully it's not even darker than we realize. And hopefully most of this... Hopefully most of this stuff can be debunked. That's always been my hope is that somebody smarter than me would come along and say, hey, this is all wrong. John Podesta is a great man. And the walnut saucing emails are just extraordinary people sharing their, their recipes of how to cook Italian food. And that I could enjoy the rest of my life. And instead it's been daily harassment and deplatforming and no real answers. And that to me becomes a part of the story. It becomes a part of the Wikipedia footnotes on this scandal that has been the last six years of my media career. Oh, this was never actually debunked and everybody around it was either destroyed or redirected successfully to other topics, which is not a debunking. It's like this is the stuff that in 20 years will become absolute legend, you know? Mm -hmm. And I might be stark raving bad in, in, you know, a nursing home by then, but somebody's gonna uncover this stuff and go, that's right, that's right. Just saying no basement in the pizza shop does not discredit allegations of elite child trafficking. And then what's so weird is the crossover between this stuff and the people who actually own the central banks, these weird families that did so well for so long and they need their little Catwoman speech. You know, when Catwoman, played by Anne Hathaway, whispers in Batman's ear, you know, there's a storm coming, Master Wayne, or whatever. There's a storm coming. Like they have not been able to outlaw crypto as of this morning, a notional 1.4 billion Chinese and Hong Kong residents can now invest in the major crypto of their choice without the fear of being oppressed by their government. And that's a huge, absolute title shift. And I noticed Litecoin is up about 6% today, just in one day. And that was one of our, you know, not to promote ourselves, but that's been one of our big things over the last year and a half as well. If Bitcoin's so great, then maybe the second crypto to ever launch, which was designed by a Google engineer, and we're just kind of marginal improvements to Bitcoin's design, maybe that one will be significant too, if PayPal and Venmo let you use it as they do. So Litecoin has been one of our major recent successes as a uh, research and journalism company, whereas many others have written off crypto altogether. They got the word from Trumpy or whoever that crypto's not in anymore, and they ran from it, and that's not who we are. But I uh, just wanted to thank Missy for staying with the company for so long, and thank our contractors who stayed with us, because I know it's difficult supporting what we talk about, but I think China reintroducing crypto after two years of, again, literally throwing people in prison for using it or promoting it, is something extremely significant, and it's all gonna come in. Like crypto is already allowed in the West. I saw some article earlier today where some big banker said it's simply here to stay. They don't have the votes to outlaw it, so it's over. And it's going to stay here. Uh, it's here in the West. Now it's been turned on back in the Big East as of just hours ago. This is our world. And as that emerges, we do want a new investigation into what we were talking about years ago. I don't think it was frivolous. I know from the bottom of my heart, it wasn't out of self-interest to talk about this stuff. I think everybody connected to Jeffrey Epstein and John Podesta and James Alphantis needs a proper look into, proper law enforcement as well as citizen journalism look into. And keep it peaceful and keep it polite, 
But these fucking child, suspected child traffickers need to be looked into because if they're a risk to the next generation, after we just survived this pandemic, we need to not hand such nightmares to the next generation. And that's all from us. Thank you guys so much. God bless. Appreciate the recent newsletter subscriptions. Thank you. And the downloads of the new book, Sacred West, on Amazon. And that's it. You guys are wonderful. You're listening to Fulcrum News. Real news from America and around the world. Fulcrumnews.com slash subscribe to get our premium membership and updates via email.